Um, and I went over to work with an organization called Eastern Mennonite Missions based out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And when I left, I did not want to teach English and I did not want to work with children. So you can guess what I ended up doing. Teaching English to children. Um, no, the first year was language study, and then I was, I was doing teaching with my Czech-speaking church. Um, they have a family center where moms with children come Monday through Thursday, um, and it's a place for moms to interact and a place for kids to interact um, because maternity leave is three years long in the Czech Republic, um, and so they have a lot of time. And um, so I taught moms one morning a week and kids another morning a week. And it's been such a huge blessing for me. Um, and every time I would meet new people, the question was, so how long do you think you'll be in the Czech Republic? And my answer was always, until God says, it's time to move on. Well, would you marry a Czech? I don't know. I was a single woman from Northwest Ohio. I was open to it, but I wasn't, I don't know. And then January of 2018, I meet Wojta at a conference. Um, that's a funny story in itself. I won't take the time to tell you now. Um, but we started dating, and God brought our lives together. Um, at the time, he was working in the railway administration office, um, which is a government position, and I was a missionary. We decided to get married, and what did that mean? Uh, did that mean Wojta automatically joins me? Did that mean I automatically stop being a missionary. Um, we took some time, a few weekends actually, away from Prague to, to pray about our future. And um, at the end of those, Wojta looked at me and says, I think God is leading me to also join the organization. Um, yeah, so it's been a blessing and a joy to share that part of my life with him now too. Um, so the first part of this is to share what the Czech Republic looks like, what we do, who we are. Um, so there's a map up there. The Czech Republic is the center of Europe. It's called the heart of Europe um, because you look at the map of Europe and it is in the center. Um, when I left for the Czech Republic, I really didn't know a whole lot about it. How many of you have know anything about the Czech Republic? Anyone been, has anyone been there? Yeah, I know you guys have. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's surrounded by Germany and Austria, Slovakia, and Poland. They speak Czech, which is a Slavic language. Um, so it takes a lot of memorization um, because they have a lot of different endings on their words. And I'm still learning it. Um, but what makes the Czech unique for me is that they have a huge history of faith, of, of prayer, of mission, and yet today, if you would ask them, less than half a percent, less than half of one percent would proclaim to be a believer. How do you go from a nation that was known for a 24-hour prayer movement to less than half a percent? We have some work cut out for us. <laughs> Um, and so we'll start with a video. I think that's the next slide, yeah. Um, in 
October 2019, uh, a colleague from our organization came over and created this video for us. And it gives a just general picture of what we do. Um, and then we'll continue sharing after that.
So that was the Czech Republic, that was Prague, that was our life, our flat that we'll be going back to and returning on Wednesday. And this was the fall of 2019, so that was all before COVID. Now we're hopeful that life will be somewhat normal again and that I will have more opportunities to, to serve in the area where God gave me a passion for, and it is prison ministry. And I have two pictures I wanted to share with you. This one is from a restorative justice project from 2018. Basically, it's a group of people. If you look at that group, some of them wear gray clothes. Inmates in the Czech Republic wear gray clothes. So those are inmates. And then there are a few more people. So those are people from the outside who come. And this group sits around. They get together six, seven, or eight, eight times. And each person shares their story. The inmates share their story of what trouble they got into that got them into prison. And the people from the outside come there and share about something that happened to them that, that affected them in a, in a negative way, a, some way of, of harm that someone else did to them. It sounds very simple, but it's very profound and, and healing. And the thing is that the justice system focuses on the offender. Like, how do we... Uh, sentence the offender. What is the, what is the great? What is the the fitting paragraph? And how long is he going to be in jail? And our legal system very strongly forgets the victims. So that's where ministry comes in and and fill this this gap. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, the invisible victims of, of crime is a, is a nickname we use for children who have their parent in prison. And there's a lot of projects and, and ministries. Maybe you're familiar with the angel tree where you can, you can buy a, a Christmas gift for a child who has their parent in prison and they will get it with a letter from that parent and it's a beautiful way to support that that family holding together and uh, one thing we do in the Czech Republic is called the angel camp where we have about 50 kids come to a week long camp and we try to have the ratio about one to two one one leader to or counselor for for two kids that's that's a good ratio and it's, I thought it was a great ratio, but I came home after that week so exhausted. It was very fulfilling and rewarding, and we know some of the stories of, of the children and some stories of what all different sorts of neglect and abuse they have been through. We don't know, but it, but it shows. But we believe that 
we believe in love and that love heals and love restores. So that is what God gave me a, a passion for, and I'm hopeful that life will go back to a new <laughs> normal and that we'll be able to go to prisons again. If not, there's still a lot to do outside of prisons to, to serve uh, ex prisoners to, to mentor them and to serve their families. And my desire is to go to, to prisons and, and bring, bring the light and the hope of Jesus there. How can I do that with a job? Well, I, I joined, <laughs> I applied to join Stacy's missions organization, Eastern Mennonite Missions. And right now I'm taking parent leave for, for three years. And that's a season after which we will reevaluate what is next. So I used to be involved in this besides having a full-time job. And now I am, so to go to a week-long camp, I had to take vacation for that. But now I am freed up to get involved more. So I'm excited about that. Next slide. Okay, so this is me with the kids in the family center. Um, yeah, this particular lesson was on travel. And so if, I don't know if you can tell, but the kids are looking through airplane windows. And we had parents on the other side of that glass who moved pictures along, so they were looking at the mountains and the beach and blah, 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 blah. Um, but it was just a lot of fun. They, they range in age from anywhere from a few months um, up to, there's a couple kids who actually come out of preschool and come to my lesson. So you see a little bit older kids there too. Um, last year, because of COVID, we didn't really have opportunity to do the family center period. Um, right before we came to the US in June, I learned that as long as restrictions are what they currently were, um, we were able to open in September. Um, it will probably just be limited in the number who can attend, um, but we're, we're hopeful. Um, and for me, it's really exciting because for these past eight years, nine years almost, that I've been there, I've been a single woman, no children, and now I can go with Vicki, our daughter, as a mom, and connect on a different level. Um, so connecting as well with moms. Um, when I told the women in my class that I was expecting, they were so excited because here for so long, I had been the one teaching them and, and sharing input with them. And now they were able to share things and input with me. Even don't go to that hospital, it's not very good for this reason, or don't get this for this reason, or whatever. Um, but they were able to share their experience and, and things with me. And so it kind of felt a little bit like it was full circle. Um, so that was really a blessing. Uh, the next picture, that is the Czech Republic with the different regions laid out. And so Prague is in the small red center. Yeah, right there. Um, Prague is the capital city. It's about 1.8 million people. Um, that's where we met. That's where we live. 
And yet, when we got married, Voita told me, Stacy, I've been praying for a different region for a few years, like four or five years. Don't be surprised if God someday calls us there. What? Prague is my home. Um, and yet, that day has come. So if you look to the, t to the northwest, to the orange region, um, that's the region that we feel God leading us to. It's the Ustatski Krai, um, or Ustinad Labem. The city particularly that we are feeling led to is called Teplitsa. Um, but that region it has the lowest or the second lowest socioeconomic level in the country. So there's a lot of need financially, socially, every area. Um, so that's one of the reasons we feel called there. Another is because it has four to five prisons in that region, so it will give Voita closer um, to the prison work. Um, and so that's great. And I was thinking, yes, Lord, that's great, but what about me? Um, as a native English speaker, of course, I have this gift of being able to share English. And yet, that's not always fulfilling to me. Uh, I'm not a teacher by nature. I've done it because that's been the need and that's been a way I could serve. But it hasn't been something that I love with passion. And so just praying, God, what, what do you have for me, for us as a family? But what is, what is my role? I mean, I know raising Vicky is important, and I'm not saying that. But there's got to be more. And as we were praying... Just recently, God brought to mind something that I had not really thought through or processed very fully. And it's still very much in the idea station, idea process. So it may not come out very clear. <laughs> um, but the Czech Republic as a country is not very welcoming to people of other cultures, other languages, other races. Um, and so a number of years ago when the refugee crisis happened, the Czech Republic did not really want anyone to come. They took 12. Not 1,200, not 12,000, 12. Like two hands and two fingers, 12. Um, they're just not welcome. Okay. Somehow, though, in Teplitsa, there is a, an, an Arabian population, an Arab population. Um, and that has never been my passion, except that I have a very dear friend who lives and teaches English in Saudi Arabia, and I've heard her talk about her relationships with these women. And God started just creating a curiosity and an interest within me Voita and I are called to people of the margins, people who don't naturally fit the box. And as I started thinking about these pieces, God brings to mind this, this population, this minority population within Teplice that don't feel welcomed, women especially with the kids, they don't feel they have a place. They have to be at home. Um, and if they go out, they're they're looked down upon. And so for me, that breaks my heart, and it gives me a desire to 
to build community with them um, because I too am a foreigner. Yes, I speak Czech and maybe I look a little bit more like them, but I'm not Czech. I have a Czech last name, but that's it. Um, anyway, so that's kind of a new piece too that, that as, as we think of moving, um, which will hopefully be this fall, um, that's one piece that I could get excited about. Um, what does that look like? I don't know. When will it be? I don't know. Um, but it's something that I feel God impressing upon my heart, and I want to be obedient. Do we have one more picture in the slideshow? We do. So this is uh, one of the town squares of Teplice. Just to give you a tiny idea of what <laughs> the city is like. And 60,000 people. Mm -hmm. So that's who we are. That's <laughs> what we are about. And we're grateful that we were able to, to be here today. And we want to extend an invitation, an opportunity. It's an opportunity, not an, not an obligation to, to, to be a part of what God is doing around us and in us and, and through us. Uh, those uh, tiny squares, you can, you can fill in your email address, and that will mean you will be getting our newsletter, and you can learn about our life. Uh, Isaac also mentioned the, the prayer cards back there. We would very much appreciate your prayers. And a third way you can, you can be a part of is, this is by financial gifts, either one time or regular. We are doing much better now financially. Uh, we put a lot of work in raising funds in the, in the winter and God provided beautifully. And right now we're about $300 a month short of being, being fully funded. So there is there's still some room for, for people to join in and be a part of it. So this is also an invitation for you to prayerfully consider being part of what, what we do and what God wants to do through us. And that's all from us. And I was also given the opportunity to share a message with you today. So that's what uh, is coming next. And I'm going to take a sip of water and then start. Let me start with a prayer. God, you are a loving, merciful, compassionate God, and you love us, and love is this, not that we first loved you, but that you first loved us. And you prepared a way to 
bridge this gap between you and us caused by sin. Jesus, you are the way to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through you. We have come here this morning as your people to seek your face, to experience fellowship with one another and with you. We invite your presence, Holy Spirit. Would you speak to us? Would you reveal the Father to us? Give us ears to hear. Open our hearts to receive what you want to say to us today. Amen. First off, I want to invite you into your own head, into your own imagination. Imagine a perfect dad. If you want, you can close your eyes. Imagine a perfect dad. Maybe you would say your own biological dad was, was just perfect and you're thinking of your own dad. Or maybe it's someone who was a very good father figure in your life. And maybe there was no one like that. But still you have some ideas of what a perfect dad would be like. Spend a moment there imagining a perfect dad. If you were to use two or three adjectives, how would you describe that perfect dad? A perfect father or dad is. If you can write them down on your phone or on a piece of paper. Three adjectives. A perfect father, perfect dad is. Here are my, my three adjectives. A perfect dad is present, he's empowering, and protective. I entitled this message, You and Your Father. And let me share something about my own dad. Next slide, please. This is the house where I grew up. To help you understand what you see there, it's, it's two houses next to each other, and there's a gate in the middle. If you open the gate, you can drive through into a yard, and then all the way through the barn to the other side of the village. So on the left-hand side is where my grandparents live, where my dad grew up, and on the right-hand side, when my dad got married, uh, him and my mom fixed that, redid that part, and that's where 
we grew up, me and my older sister, and then when I was eight, I had a younger sister come. Uh, the side view, next slide, please. This is the side view. And the layout of the house is such that there is a corridor that, that runs through the house, and each room has one door into the corridor. And each room, except for the, for the one on the corner, which is the living room, has one window. So the living room has two windows, and then each room has one window. What you see here in, on the left, so there was the living room in the middle, was uh, me and my older sister's bedroom, and then my, my parents' bedroom. Uh, if, you look, if you look up on the roof, you can see there are three skylights. When I was about 10, my dad took me to the attic one day, and there was nothing but, but the roof and the, and the beams. So we had to walk on the beams. And my dad said to me, one day, I'm going to build some bedrooms here for you and your sisters. And he did. When I was 13, I remember on Christmas Day, it was the most strange day ever to move, but we, we moved upstairs, me and my sisters, and that was so cool. I was, I was very tickled by that and very, very blessed. But that wasn't until I was, I was 13, so we only had that, that first floor. In our bedroom, me and my sister's bedroom, uh, my bed was against the wall to the corridor. So between me and, and the, the corridor, there was just a wall, a thin wall. And I remember, I remember the sound of my dad's slippers just walking down the corridor. I could tell it, it was him by the sound his slippers made. I remember that. And I remember feeling this desire to be with my dad. I remember this desire that my dad would come and, and be with me and say, how was your day? How was, how was school going? And that he would share with me about his day. And it never happened. And it's not that he would have done that in the past and then stopped. He never did. He never was that kind of dad. Yet, being there a boy of, of five, six, and seven years old, I had, I was feeling this desire. So that's my, that's my first thought I, I, I want to share with you today. I believe we all have a God-given desire in our heart, whether or not we are in touch with it, to be with our dad. Next slide. This is the satellite view of, of the village. My parents' house is there, there in the middle. Now, right of the village is a, is a road that goes north and goes south. Uh, in each direction, there's a, there's a town of 6,000 uh, people about four and five miles away. Now, there's an intersection, and right of that intersection, there are a couple, couple houses. You see. Next slide. These are the houses. Those are shops that were part of the co-op where my dad worked. And he did a lot of 
a lot of things working for the co-op, feeding cattle, driving the tractor for everything and anything, driving the combine, and also fixing machinery and doing maintenance. So that's what, what was happening here in, in the shops. And I have, I have memories of me being there with my dad. And I remember the atmosphere of, of that place and the guys just hanging out in this dark, greasy, <laughs> unwelcoming uh, shop and, and having conversations about their wives and about their children. And in those conversations, there was zero respect and honor for their wives and their, their children when they would speak about their sons, they would say, the boy. And when they would speak about their daughters, believe it or not, they would say, the frog. On top of that, all over that place, they, they had these inappropriate posters hanging. And being... <laughs> Being a small boy, more than anything, that was just that was just confusing. And I shared with you about my about my desire to be with my dad at home. And my dad was never a presence at home. And he did great things for for me and for our family, like like building building the, the bedrooms in the attic. And he, he taught me how to fish and when he would develop black and white pictures at home, he would, he would take me there. And I, and I got to be there with him in that, in that red, red bulb light. But it was, it was just sporadic. It, it, it was inconsistent. So growing up, I would say my dad was distant. He was inconsistent, and he was cold. Next slide. How would you finish that sentence for yourself? Growing up, my father was two or three adjectives. I'm going to give you a minute, and if you, if you want, write it down. The title of this message is You and Your Father, and it can go both ways, and there's a purpose why I'm sharing about my biological father and inviting you to remember yours. We can talk about our, about, we can talk about our biological father, and we can talk about God being our father in heaven. Now, if I say 
if I say we are all God's children. Isn't that a nice sounding sentence? We are all God's children. Next slide. Is that, is that really true? Well, it depends on the perspective that we, that we use. Next slide. Let's go to Luke 3. Uh, in Luke 3, uh, Jesus gets baptized, and then there is a sentence in verse 33, Luke 3, uh, 23. Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Eli, the son of and it goes on, and you have an entire page of this genealogy from Jesus all the way down to Adam. And it ends, chapter 3, in Luke 3, ends with, He was the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So not only do, is Jesus referred to in the Bible as the son of God, here we have Adam referred to as the son of God. If I use this argument... I could build up a case defending that we are all children of God because Adam was the son of God and we are all descendants of Adam and Eve. So that's chapter 3. Chapter 4, Jesus is led to the desert by the Spirit and is tempted by the devil. Now, the devil is a, is a spiritual being. So we're, we're not talking earthly perspective and biological perspective. We're, talk, we're now talking spiritual perspective. What does, what does the enemy say? He says, if you are the Son of God, chapter 4, verse 3, if you're the Son of God. So that's the spiritual perspective. And what does it, what does it take to be a child of God in that, in that perspective? Are you a child of God? Are you a son and daughter of God? Well, you know it best yourself. If you have professed Christ as your Savior and Lord, then you have been adopted into God's family, and you have God as your, as your Father in heaven. I just wanted to share this piece just to paint this distinction that we are not all children of God, and, and you will find places in, in Scripture that say that we are under God's wrath if we are not born again. And this is, it, it takes that, that step of faith of choosing, choosing Jesus to become part of God's family and have God as our Father in heaven. Father in heaven is the buzz word in, uh, in John's gospel. And I'm also going to use uh, 1 John, the epistle of 1 John, and it is believed that both these were written by the apostle John. Now, let's, let's have a look at what, who John was. I grew up in, a Catholic, in the Catholic church, and if you, if you go to, to, to a Catholic church or a, there is more fancy or a cathedral, you will, you will see stained glass windows. And growing up, it was, it was difficult for me to relate to the, the, the disciples of Jesus. For, <laughs> there were these 
Invincible 12, just the gang of, of Jesus, like they have it all and they're conquering the world. And here on this particular one, John would be the one on the left, probably. He was believed to be one of the youngest or the youngest. So he would be the one without the beer, probably. And so who, who was John? And I've picked a few, few scriptures to show us that he was human. He was human and he had his stuff. So if we, if we go to uh, Luke 9, if you have your Bible, you can, you can open it. Luke 9, verses 49 through 55. I'm reading from the NIV, Luke 9. Right before this, this passage, the, the disciples are having an argument about who is the greatest. And it seemed like they would argue about that regularly. Now, this is John speaking. Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. What does, what does Jesus say? Do not stop him. For whoever is not against you is for you. So this is John interacting with Jesus. And it goes on, verse 51. Uh, As the time approached for him to be taken to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. So now he's caught in this rivalry between Jews and and Samaritans. When the disciples, James and John, so it's John and his brother James, when they saw it, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? What does Jesus say? Jesus turned and rebuked them. So from this, I'm, I'm getting a picture that John was someone who wanted to be liked, who wanted to impress. And maybe in the, in the Luke 9 passage, when uh, the, the disciples were having an argument about who is, who is the best, he was standing there and thinking, I'm, I'm better than that. I know better. I'm not joining this argument. And then, and then he approaches Jesus directly and wants, wants to say something smart. And Jesus says, no, <laughs> you're, you're wrong. And uh, if we go to John 13, uh, 21 to 24, it's another, it's another scene. This is the Last Supper. Uh, John 13, 21 through 24. Uh, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly, I tell one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, this is John, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. How do you imagine that, that that last piece happened? Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, 
<clears throat> Come on, you ask him. And that makes me think, think maybe John was a bit of a pushover. And he, he didn't know how to, how to be firm in, in who he was next to people with a big personality, like Simon Peter. And I'm saying this to give us a more human idea, image of who John the Apostle was. And the last passage is from John 19, 25 through 27. And thank you so much for putting those scriptures up there. I didn't prepare that, and people here filled in the gap. So this, is, uh, this happens during crucifixion. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, that's how John would refer to himself in John's gospel, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Like John saying, if there's one thing I, I want you to know about Jesus, he loved me. He loved me. So Jesus says uh, to his mother, woman, and this is no sign of disrespect. He says, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, to John, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. From this scene, I'm getting a picture if there was someone during the earthly ministry of Jesus who had a special place in Jesus' heart that, that, that must have been John. And I try to show you that he didn't have it all together. And we don't have to have it all together to have a close, intimate relationship with Jesus. What he wants is authenticity. What he wants is for us to be real with him. Uh, next slide, please, is the passage from 1 John 5. Uh, that was John's gospel. Now we're moving on to uh, the epistle of 1 John, and then we'll go back to John's gospel again. First uh, John 5, what does John write? Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He doesn't say the one who believes that Jesus is the Messiah. He doesn't say the one who believes that Jesus paid the ultimate price for the sin of the world. He says the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And we could, we could hear uh, theologians talk about what the Son of God means and the importance of it. How I read it is John saying, if there's one thing I want you to know about Jesus, it is this. He is a Son of God. He has a daddy in heaven. That's what I want you to know. 
Uh, last week, Stacy and I uh, took a trip to Illinois, and we drove through Indiana, and we didn't drive through Indianapolis, but we drove by. And it took me a little while to learn to pronounce Indianapolis. The state is Indiana, right? Indiana. And, and polis is, is the Greek, for, Greek word for city. So it's Indiana City, like Kansas City. So why wouldn't you pronounce it Indiana City? Indiana polis. It's Indianapolis. It is a misplaced emphasis. In that car ride, I asked Stacy, what is the most used and most quoted verse in the Bible? And she said, Jesus wept because it's the shortest. That was not the answer I was expecting to hear. Her second answer was what I was expecting to hear. She, she said, John 3:16, because God so loved the world, because he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, I'm going to be a little provocative here to stir your thinking. I suggest that John 3.16, being the most frequently quoted verse of John's Gospel and of the Bible, is a misplaced emphasis. Some years ago, I lived a terrible life. Things didn't work out. It was only by God's mercy that I continued with life and I didn't enjoy any relationships. And if someone had walked up to me and said, this is, this is the good news, like God so loved the world that if you believe in Jesus, you're not going to die but have everlasting life, I would have been like, no, that's terrible. I don't want to live this life forever. I want this life to end. I want something better. And I'm saying this to suggest something. If God, what is, what is the good news of the gospel? Is the gospel good news to you? What is, what is the good news in the gospel for you? Does it give you hope? Does it help you get out of bed when you don't feel like it? What is the good news in the gospel? And for me, it's Jesus saying, there's this perfect dad in heaven, and we have this beautiful relationship, and it's just for everyone. And, and Father, that, that has been your desire and your design from, from the beginning, and it worked for a little with Adam and Eve, and it didn't work anymore because of sin. And you are holy and you cannot stand sin. So people have been separated from you. But now I have come to prepare to make a way. So this, this is the good news. And after the Last Supper, Jesus prayed. Uh, the next slide, please. Jesus prayed. That was a beautiful prayer. The longest prayer of Jesus recorded in the Bible in John 17. And he prayed beautifully for his disciples. And we're picking up where it continues in John uh, 17, 20. 
and this is, this is the message, Jesus praying, I'm not praying only for them, for his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. So who's Jesus praying for? He's praying for us, all of us who believed in him. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, Jesus prayed for you, and I believe he continues to pray for us. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. Next. The same glory you gave me, I gave them, so they'll be as unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you have sent me and loved them in the same way you have loved me. This to me is good news. <laughs> and it's not either you're in and you have to be perfect or else. Uh, see the words mature, see the word mature in the middle, then they'll be mature and maturing is, is a process. So, so Jesus is praying that we would continue on, on this journey of, of maturing like good wine. In John 1.12, at the beginning, at the beginning of John's gospel, and I'm getting to an end, in John 1.12, John writes, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, in Jesus' name, he gave the right to become children of God. When you, if you have believed in Jesus, you have been adopted into God's family, and that doesn't make you a perfect son or a perfect daughter. And we can, we can get an idea about that from, from uh, the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. The, the two sons, they, they each have their issues. The, the younger son, he, he runs away with his part of inheritance and then comes to his senses and, and returns. And the father is just so, so excited and throws a feast. And, and the, the older son, he says, I don't have it here, but he says, all these years I have worked for you like a slave. Now all those years, every single day, he has been there with his father. Like in that same household, they would, they would eat meals together and work together. And he says, I've worked for you like a slave. Do you ever feel like you're working like a slave? I believe it's common. I believe it's in our nature to feel like slaves, to have, to have a spirit of slave, or you feel like you're not really a part of that. Am I really a part of that family? Maybe you feel like an orphan. And, and you, can, you can read about this in, in Galatians, and then there's one beautiful passage in, in Galatians 4. Let's have a look at it. 
you can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the Spirit of Son into our lives, crying, Papa, Father, doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave but a child? And if you are a child, you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. I want to close with this. I think, I think it's a tragedy for someone to live life and die without professing Jesus as their Savior and spend eternity in separation from God and what He has prepared for eternity. I also think it's a big, big loss to have professed Christ and not claim the rights and privileges of being a child of God. And it's possible, and it happens, and people, people live. They, they go to church, they have, they have professed Christ, and they feel like a slave. God gave us the right to become God's children. And there are rights and privileges that are just, that are just beautiful. I'm not going to tell you what the conclusion is. I want the Holy Spirit to tell you what your conclusion and what your takeaway should be from this. So we're going to take a minute, and I, and I want you to listen to what God wants to speak to you, each of you individually. And then I'm going to close with prayer. So let's, let's listen. And if you can, write down what you've heard. God, you are a good, good father. And there are things in our lives that get in the way of that. So whatever you want to speak now to each of our hearts, I invite you, Holy Spirit, speak. I believe there is power in not leaving things to yourself. So I have two final questions. Who are you going to sh share your takeaway with and when are you going to share it? If you can, write it down.
God, we have come here this morning to experience fellowship with others and with you. And out there, when we walk through that door, there is life to live. And some things we do want to live and some things we don't really want to tackle and go back to. We pray that you would reveal yourself to each one of us as a good, good father. You care about every area of our life. No issue, no problem is too big for you. We have an opportunity, not an obligation, to, to live as your children. When we see a mountain, you see a mountain moved. When we see the battle, you see our victory. Help us to walk in the victory that was provided by Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much. What an opportunity. If you couldn't hear the gospel this morning, you weren't listening. Thank you so much for sharing what the Lord laid on your heart. <clears throat> we have an opportunity to participate with this family. We have an opportunity to send them out with prayer, send them out with support, send them out with financial support. Beside our little offering box, there's the jar of some kind. I'm not sure what it, which side it's on, but there's a jar that we can support them financially this morning. Um, I invite you to connect. I invite you, I encourage you, I exhort you, my brothers and sisters, to connect with these uh, missionaries. The idea of being a missionary is to be an ambassador. And I, as I was sitting here listening, the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart about being a son and reminding me what it's like to be a son, that it's not an earned thing. I think of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler goes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit? And right there we should see clearly he doesn't understand inheritance. What must I do to inherit? As I listened to what Voita shared with us this morning, if we're doing to inherit, we're earning. We're not inheriting anything. He shared in Galatians the opportunity that we have to receive all the rights and all the benefits and all the privileges of being a son. Can you think of a better message to go to prisoners, to offenders and to those offended, to the unseen victims of crime, to the children? Can you think of a better message for us to carry to our generation, to our world? I'm just, I'm so thankful for you sharing boldly and I invite us to support them before we're all wrapping up I know we just prayed but I'm going to pray again Voita I know you sat down but could you come back up here and I want to invite anybody that wants to come up and lay hands on Voita and Stacy you can join him if you would like um, but if you want to come and lay hands on them or speak a prayer over them we're going to send them out this is our family room and this is church but we're not formal. This is an opportunity to send them out. They've never been here before, but they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. They're carrying the message of the gospel, the good news. So I invite anybody that wants to to come up here. I'm going to speak a prayer over them.
But if you want to come up, we can send them out with boldness this morning. Anybody, if you're if you want to feel if you feel led to come up and share with them, and I would invite you to share with them afterwards also. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for this gospel. Lord, I thank you that this gospel can go forth with clarity through the lives of Voita and Stacy as they raise their family, as they minister to the darkness that is around them in the Czech Republic. Father, I thank you that they encourage us to shine your light in the darkness in Fulton County that we're all on the mission field, we're all serving you, we're all reflecting what it's like to be an adopted child of God. Lord, I thank you that you are our Father. You are our Papa, our Abba Father. I thank you so much that we don't earn our right. We believe. Lord Jesus, we just pray right now a hedge of protection over this family as they travel, as they go through what could be a very difficult journey. We thank you so much that your spirit goes before them, goes behind them, above them, beneath them, and surrounds them on all sides, that they would have a complete hedge of protection, that you would make the rough places smooth and bring the low places up, take down the mountains before them as they go, that you would help them to see the victory even in the face of difficulty. Father, I just pray that you would give them a boldness. We see in the word of God that Paul asked to be prayed for boldness. We pray right now boldness over them that they would declare the gospel, the unadulterated, not watered down, but clear and bold gospel of Jesus Christ, just as they did this morning here for us. They would continue to minister this grace, this message of goodness, that you're a good father, that your desire is that you're not lax as some men count slackness, but Father, that you are patient and long-suffering and not willing that any should perish and that you have raised up warriors to fight in this spiritual war to reflect your goodness and your greatness, Father. We just pray a blessing right now, the blessing of Abraham upon this family, that any piece of ground, any region of the Czech Republic, any region of Ohio, any region of the United States, or anywhere between here and there, that this family treads, you have provided for them. Father, I just pray that as their needs are being met, they would continue to trust in you. We thank you that you have made a way where there was none, that you delight in providing for your children. Just as we delight in providing for our children, we thank you that you send good gifts into their lives, opportunities for Stacy to minister to the people in the margins. Lord, what a powerful picture of the prisons and the people left out of culture, the people that don't belong. They carry a ministry and a word of belonging, the opportunity to belong, the heart cry of every human that's ever existed we desire the cool of the day. Lord, I just pray that right now over them, that they would continue to minister that. And Lord, I just pray that they would walk that. They would enjoy the cool of the days with you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. As I was sitting there, Stacy. The Lord said to me, he has a fresh impartation for you for the days ahead. 
you've been carefully seeking his face and just listening and receiving the impressions and things that he's been speaking to your spirit. So I want to be obedient and just ask heaven to release that for you. Father, we just thank you that when you call us, you equip us, you prepare us. And I thank you in this transition time that your anointing on Stacy is added to, that, it's, that it shifts, that it increases, that it multiplies. As you call her forward into the things that she's never done before, I thank you that all fear is removed because you lead her, you're with her, you're in her, you're upon her. I thank you that creative and new ideas come to her. I thank you that every situation that needs solved or troubleshooted, that that comes to her spirit by revelation of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the divine connections that she needs, that her feet go forward with the gospel of peace. And I thank you, Father, that she creates community there. She creates a safe place for these women and children, that this is a harbor of refuge, that this is a place of restoration, a place of empowerment, a place of freedom. And so, Father, I thank you that every, every step, you go before her and you show her the way in Jesus' name. Again, I invite you guys all to visit with them. I have no idea how long they're going to be here this morning. I should have cleared that with them first. But as you see them making their way out, I encourage you to ask questions, encourage them, support them, pick up their prayer card and pray for them, and just go from this place blessed as children of God. Thank you so much, and thank you guys.